I'm anticipating that we are going to have, by the way, Ripken the Bat Dog is here. Ripken the Bat, is he dropping the puck? Not tonight, but he's here though. Okay. Okay, nice. excellent. Very nice. Okay, so Ripken the Bat Dog is out here at PNC Arena. So come now, take pictures and stuff with Ripken the Bat Dog because he is already here. Big right? fan, Ripken. We are big fans. Hey, buddy, you're so cute. Um, but yeah, so Ripkin the Bat Dog is here. So come to PNC Arena now. I don't care if the parking lot's not open until five or whatever it is. Go ahead and get here now. There's already people tailgating. So that's that's already happening. People are already here tailgating. And if you want to tailgate, Lewis, yes, I will. I'm gonna give this advice again. Let me. I'll, I'll, I'll write this down. I'll ways. write this down. If you want to tailgate, but you don't have a grill, maybe you live like, for example, I live in an apartment. It's tough, tough to do. It's hard. It's a little bit harder Fire if, if you have an apartment, those kinds of things. You don't have a grill. That's okay. There are a lot of people out here tailgating that do. Just go up to the Harris Teeter right here off Edwards Mill. Yeah. Buy a bunch of hot dogs and buns, some chips, and a mm. case of beer. Oh, I would bring crush it down some hot dogs right now. Bring it down here with you. Yes, and also bring somebody to us as well. But go to one of these tailgates and be like, hey, I wanna, I've brought hot dogs. I've brought beer. I want to share it with you guys. If, if, if you don't mind if I use your grill, and I guarantee people will be like, throw it on if, if they're not throw it on if they're not then they're not a canes then fan. they're panthers fans. exactly and they're florida panthers fans which in that case knock over the grill no we don't want to we don't fire. want to encourage violence you're right i'm sorry i'm sorry I, I, get, yes. I get i get carried away yeah i got carried away jeez you and your sweater i know Getting carried away I Luis do too Fernandez, much. by the way is wearing a sweater i am it's uh what's what's the what's the temperature right now? It's like seventy it's something. Seventy something. It's it's warm enough to not be wearing a sweater. Mm. Even though we're under the shade of this tent, it's warm enough Listen, to not be in a sweater right Everybody now. makes mistakes. I'm gonna be inside later. It's gonna be cold because of ice and hockey. Okay. That's, that's that was my thought process. I mean, it doesn't get that it's, cold in there. It's a bad thought process. I listen, last time last time we were out here, well, I was personally out here, it was it was very cold. It was unexpectedly cold, and I think I just had that in the back of my mind. Okay. Here we are. That's fine. By the way, uh, a little tailgate weather report for you all, for people who are going to come out here and tailgate. Right now, the temperature's 73, and by the time puck drop hits, it's supposed to be cloudy and about 67, 68 degrees. So pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable. It's going to be breezy. Wind's about 11, 12 miles per hour right now. Yeah, you feel that. So it's perfect, which is nice because it's mostly cloudy, but, again, more than enough sunshine. Overcast. It's super, it's super comfortable out here, breezy. Throw your sunglasses on, maybe a little sunscreen, but that's it. And you're good to go. Definitely sunscreen. good to go. Um, and just have a, a sweatshirt ready to take inside with you. You don't need to wear a sweater while you're out here tailgating. Idiot. I mean, you said the word, <laughs> not me. That's Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox. You're with you again. We're outside of PNC Arena right here on 99.9 The Fan. So we talked about earlier this week, but I want to dive back into the connections between these two franchises. So the head coach for the Carolina Hurricanes – Rob Brindamore played for Carolina in the early 2000s, basically the first decade of this century. Yeah. So early 2000s, retiring in 2010. Played twice under Paul Maurice because when he first got traded here to Carolina, Paul Maurice was the head coach. Maurice was the head coach of the team when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2002. Yes. And they lost in five games to the Detroit Web Wings. They bring um, Peter Laviolette, and then eventually after they let Peter Laviolette go, they bring back Paul Maurice. And that 2009, they get to the Eastern Conference Finals under Paul Maurice with Rob Brindamore as a player on that team. He was the captain of the team that won the Stanley Cup in 06, but also was a captain of his team up until he retired. So the connection between those two runs deep, but also when Rob retired in 2010, the final season that Paul Maurice was head coach here, 
Rob Brindamore was an assistant under Maurice. Okay, so there's the connection between the two. And this actually ties in similar to style of play that we see on the ice. Yes. So Carolina, if you want to get into the numbers of this in terms of interceptions in the neutral zone, turnovers caused in the neutral zone and deflected pucks that lead to turnovers like these three advanced stat numbers. Right. Carolina is number one or number two in all three of those categories. Well, you know who's also top three in those three categories? The Florida Panthers. That influence. So it's, it's a similar style of play in regards to how both these teams do not give you any sort of room between the blue lines. All right? That's where I think this game is actually going to be won. We talked a little bit about the power play. Uh, we talked about that about 15 minutes ago, about the power play numbers and things like that. But to me, it's actually the team that actually can cleanly get the puck into the offensive zone. Yeah and actually have clean entries in is actually going to make a difference. I know Carolina loves to chip the puck in, cause the defense for the opposing team to have to turn their back to the center of the ice and go retrieve the pucks in the corners. That's where Carolina really makes their hay. But if they can't cleanly get to the, get to the red line to chip the puck in and have speed going into the offensive zone, game over. But Carolina does the exact same thing to their opponents. And, and that's and I think when you have styles of play that are so similar, yeah. and this is just in any sport, truly, it comes down to who can do it better. Like as simple as that. Yeah. And I, I just I while the Panthers may be good at it, I don't think they're gonna be better than the Canes at it. I think the Canes have proven their ability to have so much success in this. And I will say this, Car uh, Florida though, again, that same style, they got some heavy hitters. They do on their team. Like Matthew Kachuk, like you mentioned. Imagine six two, two oh five. Yeah, imagine. Andre Sveshnikov putting up 100-plus points. Yeah. That's what Matthew Kachuk is. What, 16 points in the postseason so far, I 16 think? 16 points in 12 games for yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, he's been an absolute stud. Five goals, 11 assists. This guy's a like, legit he, power forward around the net, will throw his weight around, getting your face style, style of dude. Same thing, Carter Verhage, yeah. who's been part of the Tampa Bay Lightning, their Stanley Cups over the last couple of years. He's on that top line. So Sam Bennett, these are names you're going to hear a lot, and don't be shocked, Canes fans, if you start hating these guys real, real quick. Well, Verhage, like, I mean, hating these guys. Like Kachuk is plus ten, Verhage's plus twelve. Like yeah. these guys are are everywhere, and they're going to be like nuisances in a, a way. I think that you respect just because of how good they play, but yeah. they're just going to be everywhere. And I mean, the Panthers are going to go with them. That they are. And then the connection, uh, real quick, Mike Minascalco, play-by-play voice for the Carolina Hurricanes, is going to join us here in about uh, about seven or eight minutes. But the connections also go between just the families. Eric Stahl and Mark Stahl play for the Florida Panthers. They're brothers of Jordan Stahl. Jordan Stahl, the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes. Eric Stahl, former captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, was drafted by the Canes in 2004. Played, uh, sorry, 2003. Played the 2003-2004 season as a rookie. There was no season in 0405 because of the NHL lockout that year. But in 0506, his second year with this franchise, Eric Stahl, 21 years old, puts up 45 goals and 55 assists in the regular season. Had, and I think, 28 points for correctly in the postseason. Sounds as about well. right. Carolina wins a Stanley Cup because of a young Eric Stahl, a young Cam Ward in net, a veteran like Rob Brendamore, who was the captain of the team, and a guy like Justin Williams, who at that time was still relatively early in his career. Those were like some of the core guys that were on this team back then. I know there are guys like Bass Pataglia, Chad LaRose, but those were the staple players during that time. I'm not trying to get a takeaway from any of the other guys that were on the ice because, again, it took the whole team. Sure, sure. But, again, as a whole, 
you look at Eric Stahl, what he meant to this franchise, a franchise, again, that made the Stanley Cup Finals in 2 but they really needed that young face that they drafted and brought in. Eric Stahl was that guy. It was him. And, again, his second professional season in the NHL, 100 points, his most offensive productive season ever in his career. 100 points helps lead this team to its lone championship in 06, and he's still playing in the league. The team traded him away back in 2015, 2016, from correctly, to the New York Rangers because, like, Canes were out of cup contention sure. again, out of playoff contention again. So they traded him away to a cup contender, or at least a, a playoff contender at that point. And he's passed around. He was in Minnesota, revived his career under Bruce Boudreau. Now he's in the Florida Panthers. He actually played for the Montreal Canadiens for a little bit. But he's a fourth. He's just a fourth-line center now is all he is. But nevertheless, that guy meant a lot to this organization. He's back in this building tonight. As you hear the the, the party, the festivities starting yes. to come up here just outside of PNC Arena. Yeah, no, I mean, and it's not just, I mean, obviously Stahl coming back. I mean, that's everything, Jordan, you know, and, and the second Stahl brother as well in the Panthers. Yeah. It's, it's a family affair. Well, and then Jared Stahl, the fourth brother, actually is an assistant coach with the Charlotte Checkers. Again, part of the Florida <laughs> Panthers organization yeah. now. Again, the Charlotte Checkers used to be the AHL affiliate of the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, they're basically the equivalent of a AAA team. Uh, but that's what – so, yeah, there's connections between all four Stahl brothers in this series to both these franchises. Yeah. And it is, it's pretty awesome to see. And I, if I'm a family member, I don't want anything to say, like, in terms of who I'm rooting for, nothing like that. You're going to have to pull, what is it, the Mama Kelsey, like, half jersey type thing? Yeah, or just, uh, you know what? Just wear green. Well, <laughs> it's, it's so funny because, I mean, like, the Panthers and the Hurricanes have never played in the postseason before. But never they, played it, against each other. They, exactly. They never played each other in the postseason. But it feels like there are already so many, like, connections, storylines to follow yeah. because of this shared history that you're seeing with the, the different players, different coaches, and things along those lines. So I just it, – it it's – when you get to the conference final for whatever sport it is, whatever East, West, whatever it might be, you – you crave these storylines, these things that make the game more than just a game, yeah. that, that tell that narrative. And this series is just overflowing with them. I don't care if you are you know, a dummy and think that the, the Panthers and the Hurricanes are not your prototypical hockey teams or hockey markets. You're yeah. dumb in that case. I think both teams have proven that now. But, I'll get into that a little bit later. But then you, you have all these different amazing storylines to fall on. I just... This series is setting up to be truly a fantastic one, whether you are a new hockey fan or an old hockey fan. That's Luis Fernandez, Dennis Cox here with you on the plaza at PNC Arena between PNC and Carter Finley, getting you set for game one between the uh, Hurricanes and the Panthers in the Eastern Conference Final tonight. It's going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be a fantastic, heavy-hitting series, like super physical series. I definitely expect that here tonight for sure. Uh, before Mike Maniscalco comes and joins us here, we're going to uh, deviate a real quickly away to college sports here for just a quick moment because this whole week, Lewis, we've been talking about yes. uh, down in Amelia Island, the ACC having its business meetings earlier this week, uh, Monday, through uh, Monday through Wednesday down in Amelia Island. Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the ACC, actually spoke yesterday after the meetings have wrapped up, and he got into conversations about the revenue sharing got into conversations about, okay, what can the conference do in regards to 
um, how they schedule for college basketball to improve net ratings, things along those lines. So Jim Phillips did discuss, this is on the ACC Network, on what type of progress has been made during these meetings over the last few days. We're looking at a variety of ways to close the revenue gap that we see coming up and um, really healthy and productive uh, you know, sessions and meetings and conversations. And, and as I think maybe we've talked about uh, outside of this show, there's no magic bullet that closes the, that gap. So we're going to have to be creative, and we have been creative about three, four, five, six different things that will, I think have a chance to help us. Jim Phillips also continued on about on the conversation of revenue during these meetings. It's never going to be a direct line, right? There's going to be pivots. There's going to be movement. There's going to be some processes that lead you to success, some other processes that end up being a dead end uh, for you financially. But what I do like is the cohesiveness and togetherness of the group, and, and that certainly is – you've seen that. All right, so that's ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. Again, revenue generation has been a big topic of conversation really yes. for the last couple of years, especially with the business deals that the Big Ten and SEC have made. They're about 30 to $40 million behind, essentially. Uh, that's To me, that was just a whole lot of word salad. And when you say that 30 to $40 million behind, we're talking about that's the number of – that's the amount of dollars, millions of dollars that each school is receiving from the respective conferences. So – for example, if an SEC school from their media rights deals from the comp, from from the SEC is receiving about eighty million dollars per school, SEC again about thirty to forty million dollars ahead of the ACC. Exactly per which, school, which like dollars earned, and it's and that's a lot, obviously in in one year. Yeah, but then when that happens year after year after year, it just it compounds, and you just yeah. start. There's a separation uh, between conferences. And it's at this point, it's what I think was if you're a member of the ACC, what's probably most frustrating, frustrating is the biggest chunk of change that you get is from these TV rights deals. Yes. But you were locked into this TV right deal until 2036. This is Jim Phillips actually talking about that. The grant of rights the, and the deal everyone was locked into. Here's Jim Phillips on the schools and the conference discussing the grant of rights. This is a healthy process that we're going through. It really is. And in the end, this is no different than the last you know, necessarily 50, 60 years in college sports where conference affiliation, what's best for my school? We love the conference. Is the right conference for us to be in? People have the right to do those kinds of self-evaluations on each of our conferences. I welcome them whenever they come to Greensboro to kind of look at the media rights deal because at times it, it's, it's, it can be a, a, a session where they're looking at ways that maybe we haven't looked at that could create some additional revenue. So I don't take that personally. Um, you know, it, it, it's part of just, I think, overall people getting to a place and understanding what's best for you individually and how does that affect the ACC. And um, there is really togetherness. I, I, obviously, the report earlier in the week, everybody saw it, etc. Um, and so to what degree those conversations had, to what length, seriousness of them, I mean, you have to ask the, those particular schools. I mean, once again, it just feels like word salad. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, get, I get that the, yes, the, those kinds of deals are complicated. And it's one of those things where you are, we, we mentioned it yesterday. If there was a way to get out of these, you know, these different deals that are done, mm -hmm. someone would have figured it out a long, long time ago. Yeah. Because you have people who are stuck in these kind of situations. I mean, if there was a way that the ACC could guarantee they could get a better media rights deal, you know, tomorrow, I'm sure they'd take it. Oh, but, yeah. But the thing is, like, 
he mentions once again the togetherness of it. Are they together? Are, yeah, that's big. Uh, are yeah, they together? Are they? The, the different the different reports that have come out about you know teams bringing lawyers together and looking at these deals and trying to figure out what they can do. Uh, when you go back to last year, you have programs like USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. Like that's a concern. It may not always be like the front page of the news every single day, but that kind of conference stability is everything. Because if that conference falls apart, I mean, what are you going to do? That's yeah. so much money that these different organizations are making. And a last note I'll throw in on this is that not every school in the ACC is just going to be snatched up by the Big Ten or the no. ACC. It's no. just not. Because, again, you have to bring value to those conferences, not just because of, like, for example, the Big Ten agents are like, oh, yeah, Pitt, come on in. What value does Pitt bring to the Big Ten? You know, that, that's, yeah. that's my point. Sure. You have to bring in some sort of monetary value to the conference because, for example, like we, we throw out the arbitrary number of $80 million. If an SEC school is getting $80 million per year off media rights and such, and another school comes in or another two schools come in, all of a sudden that money drops to seventy-five or $70 million. Uh, we're if having I'm problems. One of those SEC, yeah, we're, uh, we're having a conversation. We're having a big-time conversation about this because um, – why, why? hold on, like – why Where's do my I have money? to feed them? Like, why do I have to feed them? Now, if another school comes in, I'm still making, let's say, that arbitrary $80 million that I mentioned. Okay, cool. Or if my money goes up because of those schools, then bring them on in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you saw, like, in the the back in the you know mid-2000s of this, you know, kind of conference realignment, you saw a lot of different schools change, change places, change conferences. But when you look at it recently, the schools that have changed conference or announced that they're going to change conference and haven't technically done it yet, you're looking at the programs like Texas, Oklahoma, yeah. USC, UCLA. Like these are these are conferences. These are these are schools that are going to add a put a lot of fan base. They're going to add, add a lot of revenue. Are going to add a lot of notoriety to the different conferences. So that's that's kind of how I look at it. Um, and I, I think a big part of it is you you have to be like you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. You you have to be an attractive partner. Uh, to these different organizations as they come through. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600 You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial Advisory Group. All right, we'll get we'll we'll, we'll deviate from that. Is Mike Maniscalco, play-by-play -play voice for the Carolina Hurricanes, joining us here live at PNC Arena? I just have one suggestion for Jim Phillips. Oh, please! Do. Okay, yes. let me hear. It. Let me hear it. all these. If they get more money, yes, can they invest in a better microphone? I mean, oh. Did he do that? <laughs> when, did he do that through the tin can to the media? As the windows that, roll that, down while know, he's driving. Exactly. Yeah, it may have been actually. I think it was <laughs> an old school there microphone. Uh, what it was. I had so many radio flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. no, oh, I bet. Goodness. Trust me, we all do that. All right, Mike. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier about the the connection that Paul Maurice and Rob Brindamore have as head coaches. Yes. Because when Rob Brindamore got his start as a coach in this league, it was under Paul Maurice. But the similar style of play, because I noted how both these teams in the playoffs in the neutral zone between the blue lines are the best in the league in the league in the playoffs in terms of deflecting passes, intercepting passes, causing turnovers in the neutral zone. Is it am I wrong saying that these two teams have a very similar style of play in terms of 
not giving you any room in the neutral zone? Oh, uh, let me quote Rod Brindamore right now. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> Everyone this now. does. <laughs> but everybody like, does. But, but how no they secret. go about but, doing it, I should say. Um, no, because I think okay. that Carolina does it slightly different. Okay. Than everybody that. else, and and it comes with the Canes pressure up front when it sure. comes to dropping the puck in, going after it, the four check that they're able to create. Mm-hmm. But if you watch, they are so cognizant because they give their blue line the green light, go in and jump in on the play. Yeah. We see Brent Burns and Brady Shea, Shane Gossip. We, we see all six of them. I shouldn't just single out those three guys. Mm-hmm. But the forward is always responsible. Whoever that, and we can go with the, the hockey jargon, the F3, but whoever the high sure. forward is, they're responsible for that. So that changes how you gap up in the neutral zone mm-hmm. at times when you don't get to the puck when you chip it into the corner. It's rare that it happens for the Canes. But Carolina is much better stick-on puck than everybody in the league. Yeah. Where Florida, it took them a while. And I, I'm glad you bring this up about Florida, Dennis. Yeah. It's a good observation. They made the change that they made after last year going, well, what we did trying to outscore teams isn't going to work in Didn't playoff work. hockey. No. So that's why they bring in Paul Maurice, who plays that kind of a defensive style of hockey. And that's more of a taking time and space away as far as territory, where yeah. I think that Florida is a little bit more physical doing mm-hmm. that, where the Canes are a little bit more tactical doing that. And I know that this sounds really advanced. It's not. It's really one team is just going to they'll, they'll <laughs> take away time and space by using the stick, deflecting it away and taking away the blue line. Whereas you get a look at what Florida does. They're going to take time and space away physically from you and get to the puck and cut you off. Now. When you when you look at I mean, obviously, I, f- I feel like a lot of people are talking about how the Canes have had so much success on the, the penalty kill. You saw what they did in the regular season. Yeah. Now they're at like 90 percent in the postseason. And you compare that to what Freddie is also doing yeah. when when they're yeah. down a man. And I mean, I think he's like nine, four, some odd per, like save percentage in those kind of situations, only allowed one power play goal in the postseason. Um, how when you see the way that the, the penalty kill and Freddie are kind of like working together there, how 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 much success are they having there? I mean, it, it all comes down to it. And everybody will tell you your number one penalty killer is your goaltender. You yeah. know, he's the guy who bails everything out when there are the breakdowns and when. Let's face it, there's one more piece on the chessboard for the team on the man advantage to try to move the puck around and find that. But uh, when you see Freddie in the zone, the thing that he's able to do is for a man his size to get from post to post, the lateral yeah. movement, it's as good as anybody that I've seen. So uh, the, the thing for me is it, it works in concert, but it's also something that you practice every day. Sure, and sure. They go through what they need to do. But the Canes also, their penalty kill, and they made an adjustment mm-hmm. in November because – no secrets anymore. Once something starts working, teams start either, figuring it either, out. either copycatting it or, again, they figure it out and find, okay, maybe this is here. Kane's made the adjustment to it, and for the goaltenders, they just tell them the same thing. Just stop the buck. We'll take care of the rest. Yeah. So, Simple enough. But uh, it's for me, the good part about it is it, it doesn't matter if it's Freddie or if it's on Tiranta or if it was Piotr Kochetkov. They put the, the onus on the goalie, just keep it from going in the net, we'll handle the rest of it. And I think that's why it, it works so well. That's why the PK is so effective. That's Mike Maniscalco, play-by-play voice right. for the Carolina Hurricanes, joining us here live at PNC Arena. All right, final question for you here, 60 seconds. At, at what point in this game or this series are people going to, these Canes fans, hate Carter Verhage, hate Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> hate Sam Bennett? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. About, I mean, I'm like, hey, but it was just in terms of, like, that, the physical style of play that those guys bring. And they're going to be in your face. I I think Matthew Kachuk probably would be the guy who that's my guess. Most of the most of the ire will go against because Fair. he knows where the line is and he's not afraid to go across it, especially if it's to to get 
under somebody's skin. Yeah. But the problem, the problem when people try to do that to the Carolina Hurricanes, it doesn't get under their skin. Oh, no, I'm talking about Kane's fans. Oh, like right oh, now. When was the series announced? When yeah. did they know they were playing the Panthers? Seven days ago. Yeah, okay. Six days ago. Okay. Come on, DC. I know. I'm just saying, but not, not, not every fan knows. Because at least, all right, at least I know going into the. Uh, right, I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. But Thank yeah, you. But, but, the, no, the, the second that a fan base knows who they're playing. Yeah. Like, just like if, if it would have been Toronto. I mean, they would have all been up and down on on Bunning or on Baker Ryan O'Reilly to a yeah, point. But, yeah, sure. But, but I mean, in whoever. That, in that first series against the Islanders, it was like, oh, Matt Martin, like that guy, because the way he cross-checked Jordan Stahl, that kind of stuff. But we also knew Eric Holla coming in before that series as well. But I just didn't know who public enemy number one was going to be. I just wanted your thoughts on that. That's all, Mike. I'm just saying it's everybody. Okay, the whole, <laughs> yeah. had, had the whole team. About, about four days ago. All right, I'll give you a grace period, D.C., Three days to read up on who are the players you should not like. Oh yeah, and then they figured. I mean, out. I have my speculations, <laughs> but you know, I'm, uh, it's it's already it's already set. Okay, that's fair. That's Mike Minnesota. Already play by play voice. You can listen to him right here at eight o'clock on ninety nine nine. The fan. That's the place to listen to Mike and Trip here on the local call. Thank you for your time, good sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate. I appreciate you swinging by. Thank you. Mike. I feel Great very underdressed you. with you two, by the way. He was making fun of me for my sweater. You're using a sweater. Well, you're in a sweater. It, it looks nice though. At least I've got a tie underneath. Look, it's a tie. It's a good. It's a floral pattern. It's. It's just, you know, think classy, be classy. Yeah, that's what I say.